And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. So we're going through the book of Galatians this morning. In the next 22 minutes and 13 seconds, I am going to share uh, from the word where we've gotten to so far. We are now in the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. And, uh, you know, just to kind of follow the, uh, the evolution of what Paul is preaching, Paul talks uh, about the, starts this by talking about the difference between legalism and faith. And that legalism can never do what faith can do. Legalism can never do what God's grace has done. Can anybody give me a witness in the house? And I think, I think even though the church now for a couple thousand years has been uh, the vehicle to promote the good news of the grace of God, I'm concerned that the church has done a better job at being legalistic at times than it has at producing grace and mercy and presenting a gospel of grace and mercy. And I, that's why I think Paul's words are so important. It's not about what we do. It's not about who we are. It's about who Jesus is, and it's about what he does in our lives. He wants us to live free. He wants us to have free lives. He wants us to be free from the bondage of our own lives, our own brokenness, and anything that this world could throw at us. And he provided that, not through legalism, thank God, but through grace. Not through circumcision, but through the faith that we place in Christ. Y'all with me on that? So we're going from trusting in the law you know, so he's talking about going from trusting the law to, to resting in faith, to being part of that. And now he kind of moves over then talking about Abraham and how we're the children of Abraham and the faithfulness of Abraham and how we get to be people of faith with Father Abraham. And now he moves over into the struggle between the works of the flesh and the, the, the power of, this, of the Holy Spirit, the gifts, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is a great, a great, great passage of Scripture that you're all familiar with. It talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. But I'm going to be reading it from a translation that you may not be uh, as familiar with. This is from the Message Bible. So I'm going to begin to read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 from the Message Bible. Paul says this, My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical, so that you cannot live at one time one way, another time another way, according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Wow, you mean there's more? I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, 
not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessity is killed off for good, crucified. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Wow. Well, that text pretty much preaches for itself. So in closing, let me just, no, if we, if we look at what Paul is actually doing here, he's comparing He's comparing what we are naturally in our humanity to what we can be if we let the Holy Spirit live in us. Now, I thought about doing this. I thought about it as I read through that list of, of things that our humanity comes up with and other translations call it the work of the flesh. I thought about as I read through some of those, if you related to those in any way or at some point in your life, if somehow that was part of you, to just have you stand up so by the end of the service we'd all be standing. But I thought that might be embarrassing, so I didn't do it. But, um, you know, the thing is, that's part of all of our lives. This human nature is part of all of our lives. And if we, we're going to take a, just a few minutes to break down um, what some of those things are that Paul's talking about here, the works of the flesh. So let's look at the, I'm just kind of going to take these a verse at a time and we'll just talk about them just for a few moments. And I'm not going to bring in any other verses. We're just going to talk about this body of text because I think there's enough there to preach on for the next four hours. So we're going to do that. <laughs> My counsel is this. This is verse 16. Live freely animated and motivated by God's spirit, then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Wow, isn't that interesting? He is encouraging us. In fact, he said, this is my counsel. I want you to live free. I want you to live animated and motivated by God's spirit, and then you will not feed the compulsions of selfishness. It's interesting to me that the, that the compulsions of selfishness are still there. Even though the spirit of God lives inside of us, the compulsions toward selfishness are still there. By the way, that word compulsion means something that, that forces something. If you're compelled, you're forced, you're, you're driven toward that. In all of us, every one of us in this room, every human being on the planet has this compulsion toward selfishness. We may not want to admit it. We may have it better under control at certain times than we do at others, depending on how much we're submitting to the spirit. But we have this compulsion toward toward selfishness. Our human nature forces us in that direction. I think any married person here can attest that there are days in our marriage that we just want to be selfish. Oh, let me rephrase that. There are days in our marriage where our spouse just wants to be selfish, right? I mean, even in our, in our closest relationships, whatever we're doing, there are those moments where what about me comes to the forefront and rings loud like a bell. What about me? War's mine, right? Everything's fair. Everybody gets the same thing at the same time. That's fair. If you have children, you know this. It's not fair. She got something I didn't get. Stop it. She got something I didn't get. It wasn't them. I just looked that way. She got something I didn't get, and it's what? It's not fair, right? Because that's fair. Everybody gets the same thing at the same time. And, you know, that's, that's our, our human nature. It's our human nature to want these things. We recognize that selfishness in others, but not always so much in ourselves. And we're right about it. So by walking in the spirit, Paul said that the compulsions, he didn't say the compulsions will go away. Right. He said you won't feed them. Right. When you feed something, you make it stronger. Right. 
You give it strength. You give it vitality. You give it, you give it vigor. You give it life. You give it the ability to be sustained. When we feed the compulsions of our selfishness, we just become more selfish. But the thing is, because we're Christians, we hide, under it, hide it under this idea that I'm really walking with God, even though I'm very selfish, because God wants me to have this. I can't get no help in here. That's okay. But if you feed something too much and it grows too much and it begins to take on a life of its own, it can actually take over our lives and we don't even realize it's happening. Everybody else around us knows that we've given into the compulsions of selfishness and we think we're very self-sacrificing because we've fed that so many times we don't even realize. Letting God's spirit lead us will not remove the compulsions of selfishness, but it will help us to not feed them, to not yield to them, to not give in to them. Our humanity forces selfishness upon us. You know, our flesh hates to hear the word no. Our humanity just wants to do whatever it wants to do. But the problem with that is we, we promise ourselves the freedom to do whatever we want to do. And when we do whatever we want to do, we instead put ourselves into bondage. We put ourselves into a trap. It's a trap. Put ourselves into a trap of what this world offers us when we think we're getting what we want. Could somebody help me out? So it's only submission to the Holy Spirit Letting the word of God change us, temper us, it can really save us from the compulsions of selfishness. Let's go on to verse 17. That's one verse down. Uh, here we go. For there is a root of sinful self-interest. I'm, I'm going to go faster. Don't worry. There is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. Just as a free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at one time, one way, another time, another way, according to how you feel on any given day. There's two root systems here. There's the root of sinful self-interest and there's the root of the spirit, the root of God's grace inside of us that produces fruit. Whichever one we give more attention to, whichever one we feed, is the one that's going to take the most precedence in our lives. So this idea that they're antithetical, they're in direct opposition to one another. They are our polar opposites. They will take our lives in very opposite directions. If we follow selfishness, we'll go one way and end up in a certain place. Because if I go this way, my destination is different than if I go this way. And if I follow the Spirit, I'm going to end up someplace very different. If I try to do both, I go nowhere. But I convince myself because I'm doing the, the spirit thing sometimes that I'm doing pretty good. But I'm really going nowhere because I'm too divided. You all with me on that? So these two do not play nicely together. The works of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit do not play nicely together. They can't coexist. And I love what it says there when it says um, uh, that you cannot live one way, another way, one way, one time and another way, another time, according to how you feel. That's what I was trying to get at. According to how you feel on any given day. Uh, because we're human, we have feelings. Feelings. We have these feelings in our lives, right? But we don't want to be led by feelings because feelings are deceptive. Feelings can take us in directions that can actually harm us and harm our relationships with others. And so we have to be careful with that. But it's interesting Feelings want to dominate us. It's part of our humanity. But the Spirit of God wants to lead our lives as well. And so again, there's this battle that goes on in, inside of us. Our feelings want to dominate. They want to control our thoughts and our actions. But feelings can't be trusted. There are days when I may not feel loved by God. I don't know if anybody else in here ever goes through that. There may be even days when I don't even feel saved. I'm not saying there are, just there might be. Days when I don't feel saved. I know there might be days when some of you don't feel like you're really right with God. Is that your call? Is that your decision? Are feelings able to be trusted? I won't live my fullest potential in Christ if I live 
by feelings. I have to believe what his word says. I have to trust God, take him at his word. Feelings change with the wind, with the clicking of the clock. I mean, ch- feelings can change while we sit in this service today for, you know, an hour and 10 minutes or so. Feelings can change from time to time. Can't trust our feelings, right? We can't live based on feelings. Okay, look at verse 19. It's, isn't it obvious the kind of life that develops out of trying to get your own way all the time? Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. This would be, just let me just throw these out there real quick for you. This would be like misusing sex as a means of validation. Misusing sexual energy, sexual thought as a means of validation. It's emotionally and spiritually debilitating. So glad to hear that, that Josh and his team go into, into red light districts and bring prostitutes out because there is hope and there's life beyond this idea of sex for validation. And, and so that's, that's the first one he mentions. Then he says, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Wow. Em, em, mental and emotional garbage. Although we all want to say that we don't have any, we have some. We all tote this stuff around with us, uh, whether we like it or not. And the thing is, if that stuff hangs around too long, it's just like the garbage in your house. Uh, guys, men, why do you, because I'm assuming all the men do this, why do you carry the garbage out of your house? Of course, because it smells, or because your wife asked you to. But besides that, or maybe she repeatedly asked you to, but besides that, you take it out because eventually your wife knows, verily, it stinketh. It's going to get stinky if you leave it in there long enough, right? We have a little, we have a little pantry that our garbage is in, and every once in a while, I'll open that because the dog food's in there. I'll open that to get dog food out, and I bend down to get the dog food. It's like, whoa, that thing is ripe. We've got to get that out of here. Because when garbage sits around a while, it stinks. When garbage sits around in our minds and our emotions for a while, it has the same effect. It stinks. And when people come around us, they're like, whoa. They don't smell it, but they can tell it. They know that there's emotional garbage in us, mental garbage in us because of what comes out of us. We start speaking and there's garbage coming out and there's this and there's that. And I'm angry about this and I'm frustrated with that. I'm a Christian. And time to take the garbage out, folks. Time to put a new bag in there. <laughs> Isn't that right? I got to move on. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. This is attempting to find happiness in things that are incapable of providing happiness. We do it all the time. If I just had a bigger truck, if I just had a newer car, if I just had a faster bicycle. (laughs) Or it can get deeper than that. If I just had a different boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. Things that would make me happy. And we get it and we realize that didn't make me happy because it's not capable of doing so. Trinket gods. I love this. I had to look up the word trinket. I know what it is, but I wanted a dictionary definition. A trinket is small ornamental items of little value. So these are small ornamental items of little value that we set up as gods. Things like houses or vehicles or money or possessions or things, or even our own, our own bodies in a way could become um, something that we, we need for validation. We have to look a certain way or dress a certain way or do a certain thing. I obviously don't care how I dress or look. It's, it's a, this matter of I have to do everything just right, you know? And, and these little trinket gods that we set up. Magic show religion. This is a religion that draws attention to itself rather than to God. Or, I mean, I've, I've studied a lot of different religions. And in a lot of different religions, a lot of their worship is really nothing more than trying to bring attention to the, to the fact that they're there trying to worship these gods. It almost resembles a magic show. But Christians can fall into the same thing when our religion brings more attention to us or our faith brings more attention to us than it does to God. Paranoid loneliness. I'm going to go through a bunch of them here because we're running out of time. Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. I've got to stop there for a minute. 
a brutal temper. I used to have one of those. I'm Irish. Not that that's an excuse, but I, I have this temper. And uh, I used to, you know, when I was a younger man, um, a few years ago, when I was a younger man, I used to say, you know, you hear about somebody has a short fuse. I not only had a short fuse, but the match was always lit. I mean, I was ready to go, man. I could just go off just like that. And I realized that that was something very deep in my humanity. And even as a Christian, I have to watch myself to this day. I can get, I get, although I have to say today, I get more frustrated with things than I do with people. It's technology. There's been days I've got a new phone now, so I'd never do that. But there have been days I've wanted to kick my phone across the room. Amen. Or, or I think I'm getting feedback from God here. Or, or you know, or, or I want to kick my computer or whatever. I mean, sometimes technology irritates me. It's supposed to do what I want it to do, not what I tell it to. And if it would just do that, it'd be great. Talks about this, an, an impotence to love or to be loved. Love being replaced with lust, with condemnation of others. And impotence toward that. Divided homes and divided lives. That one is really about distracted minds. We get distracted. When we lose sight of what's truly important, we get distracted with all kinds of things. Things like pleasures or fun. Fun, fun, fun. I work hard and I deserve to play on the weekends. And that's great. But we've got to keep everything in balance. Got to keep things in balance, right? So this idea of divided homes, when we get, when we get our... Minds distracted on things, we can begin to create division that we never intended to be there. Small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled, uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of com community, he said I could go on. And then he says this, if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, let me say something about that last line, you will not inherit God's kingdom. That does not explicitly necessarily mean you will not go to heaven. What it means is God's kingdom will not affect you in this life. And if God's kingdom doesn't have influence in me, for me in this life, then I have some concerns about what's going to happen in the life to come. Doesn't necessarily mean when it says I won't inherit God's kingdom, doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not saved. It just means I'm not going to see the benefit. I'm not going to inherit all the great things in God's kingdoms if I live in God's kingdom, if I live by my flesh and by the dictates of my flesh and follow all these things, there's no way that I'm going to be caught up in God's kingdom. And if I follow them too far and too long, this ugly bag of stinky emotional and, and mental garbage is eventually going to take my life in a place that I never wanted it to go. We've got to move on. Verse 22, what happens when we live God's way? Everybody ready to get happy now? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others. Man, when our selfishness is crucified, we have affection for others. We start caring about other people more than ourselves. Can I give you a, can I just be honest with you? I'm going to just kind of tell, tell about myself here for a moment. I didn't get saved to help you. I really didn't care about you. You know why I got saved? Yep, I got saved to get my rear end out of hot spot because I felt the pressure of life and I knew I needed something different. I got saved for me. I got saved for purely selfish reasons. At some point along the line, I have no idea how it happened, I started caring about other people. And I actually had this in my heart, this desire to be a pastor and to actually care for people and help people learn and grow and change and see lives transformed. That's not why I got saved, but something began to change in me. If we haven't gotten that point yet where we start caring about other people, we're probably still following the compulsions of selfishness. We need to start comparing and have, having affection for others. I love this next one, exuberance about life. Exuberance about life. Anybody here exuberant about life? Excited about life? Hey, how you doing, man? Oh. 
you know, it's, uh, work's hard and family's hard and thing, life's just hard and I'm tired and I guess I'm depressed. And, but, you know, God's with me. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty easy to fall under the junk of this world if we're not looking to the beauty of a life that God's actually given us. We have a life much greater than just working and going to sleep and doing our stuff. I, I got to move on. Exuberance about life. Let's live well, shall we? Serenity. You know what we get when we give our lives to Christ, when we let the Spirit of God work in us? We get serenity. Not the absence of turmoil and confusion, but the presence of peace in the midst of it all. Peace that passes understanding. You can have a million, I've, I've been there. It seems like everything that's possible is going wrong in your life, and yet somehow deep inside you have peace. You may ignore it, you may push it aside, you may not let it actually rise up and change the way you're, re, you're, you're re, responding or behaving, but there's a deep peace down in there somewhere. You with me on that? A willingness to stick with things, being dependable, being reliable, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction. This, Christians have a little trouble with this one sometimes. A conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We realize that people are broken, that people are unholy, but is there somewhere inside of that, is there a sense of holiness? There has to be because God is holy. And he created humanity. And even our broken world, you know, God loves this world just exactly the way it is. He doesn't want it to stay this way, but he loves it this way. Just like you and me, he loves us just exactly like we are. He doesn't want us to stay like this, but he loves us like this. And he works with us like this. And God, I, I guarantee you, God is at work in this world, whether we see it or not. No matter how bad things look, God's got this. He's in control and he's got this. Uh, another thing it says that what we'll have when we, when we yield to the Spirit, we'll be involved in loyal commitments. Loyal commitments. Not needing to force our way in life. Using our energies wisely. And then it says this, the law and the works of the flesh cannot do these things. All this other stuff is killed off. All, look at this, verse 24. This getting our own way and, res and mindlessly, re mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessity. That's all killed off for good. It's all crucified. It's all removed. No life or ability left in it. And I want to finish with verse 25. Check this out. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen. Anybody here chosen a life of the Spirit? Let me see your hands if you've chosen a life of the Spirit. Let me see your hands if you've chosen the life of selfish, com compulsion of selfishness. What? I haven't chosen. I haven't chosen. Okay, you haven't chosen it, but <laughs> let's just move on. So anyway, we have chosen a life that's connected with God and the life of the Spirit. Amen. Yes? yes? Some days we do better with it than others, but it's the life that we have chosen. He says this, since, I'm going to read it again, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let's make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our head or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. I think sometimes we confuse ourselves and even deceive ourselves by thinking, because I know this, because I hold this as a truth in my heart that I must be doing it. But you know what? We can know a lot of things. We can even hold things as truths in our heart and still get very far off base when it comes to the day-to-day -day walking out of God's grace and compassion for the world around us. We can get pretty focused on ourselves and what affects us. And I'm going to say it again. I'm, I'm con my concern is that the church has done, has done this for uh, a, lot of, a lot of years and many decades but you know what? That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is a compassion that reaches out to people in the worst possible conditions, reaches out to us in our worst conditions, loves us, lets us love those around us 
no matter what. And finally, the 26th verse, I close with this. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us are better and another worse. You might just tuck that away in your political views as well. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Let's be an original. Live the life the Spirit of God has put in us to live. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this privilege today of looking into your word, of looking at what you're doing in our lives by your Holy Spirit. We see the battle between the works of the flesh and the, and the power of your Holy Spirit to bring fruit into our lives. We see the struggle that goes on between our compulsions of selfishness and our desire to be crucified with you and live our lives for you so that our lives make a difference for your kingdom. And sometimes we find, our, find ourselves pulled and caught in the middle of those two ways that are antithetical to one another, that cannot coexist, that can't function together, and yet somehow they seem to work in us in a way that causes us to be stuck. And Lord, I pray over this body of people that we would yield to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, whatever that may be. However you may be leading us individually, whatever you may be saying in our lives or trying to convince us of, the things that you're trying to move out of our lives, we pray, God, that we would hear and we would respond. Those listening online today, those listening to this as a recording, I pray, God, that there would be an impartation of your love, your grace, your compassion, the work of your spirit to make a difference in every one of our lives and let our lives live as an original with very interesting things to do, bringing light and life to this world. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.